So I kind of wanted to go back to high school when we met. So tell me a little bit more about your own space and where you were at in high school and, you know, what your beliefs and ideology and everything was back then. The best way to describe it was confused and chaotic and fearful. Um, I think in high school, it's such a rough time already for everybody where they're figuring out who they are. Um, And just kind of growing up in a religious community, there are so many rules that you're trying to follow, you're trying to fit in with those rules. And, you know, um, growing up Muslim, it's not easy following all your religious rules and also trying to fit into high school. But I think once you start to go to high school, you meet so many other people and you kind of have this sudden realization that you've been living in a bit of a closed world almost. Um, And at that point when I met you, I think I was pretty quite religious. There was one way to do something. Um, If not, you were going to be an outcast almost, or there was like some kind of fearful consequence that was coming. Um, Just, you know, talking to boys too much was one of them. Um, something super silly that I used to be so anxious about was that I had a Facebook account and I thought I was going to get in so much trouble way back in grade nine for this. Um, and it was my big secret. I was like, oh my gosh, no one, none of the masjid girls can find out that I talked to all my friends on Facebook. Um, so I guess, yeah, I, I think at that point I was just, when I met you, God, I was just starting to step into a new world and starting to realize maybe the way I've been living is not how I want to live and kind of questioning why I had so much fear about certain things. And it's so interesting what you mentioned earlier about like Facebook being your little secret because I remember yeah. I was too. And a part of me being on Facebook was the fact that growing up in such a religious community I wasn't allowed to go out with my friends and even with you guys there would be times where like I wouldn't even be allowed to hang out with you guys being Muslim girls and our little girl gang that we had I wasn't even allowed to do that so my escape I find was like social media and finding people I can talk to through there because I could never do it in real life yeah and um at that time too I remember there's a whole taboo I guess in the community of women taking pictures of themselves without oh yes 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 and so I obviously had these pictures on Facebook and I vividly remember this one night that the president of the community so the big man running all the things in Saskatoon um came to my house and basically sat down with my family and tried to talk to me about not having these indecent pictures online Mm -hmm. and I just remember like thinking that it was so weird that someone else is coming in and telling like as a girl as a 16 year old like a 30 whatever year old is coming to my house and telling me not to post a picture in a tank top yeah and my parents are just sitting here like embarrassed and ashamed and like Mm -hmm. And it just it really does kind of traumatize you in a way because now obviously I'm older and I I understand that no one has the right to tell you to do that and that just kind of opens you know the the door into how people get really sucked in. I think like now thinking back to to my childhood or my teenage years, now that I've kind of separated myself a little bit from our 
traditional community or mosque community, um, I realized that a lot of it was to feel a sense of belonging. And especially for my family, um, growing up with a single mom and not really growing up around a lot of our relatives or our cousins, there was a sense of like almost isolation. And in that sense, the community was really important for us. Otherwise, I feel like we would have moved to Saskatoon. I think I was like 11 at that time. We would have had no community circle, but but the mosque community took us in and they became our family. And these were the people we celebrated Eid with. These were the people we saw every week or twice a week and during Ramadan pretty much every single night. These are our friends. These are my mom's friends. Um, but I think um, I realized that a lot of the rules, like the strange rules that I was following was not out of fear of God per se, but for fear of not losing this community or being isolated or being alone um, beyond that, you know? And especially, especially because these are your friends. If you mess up, you don't want to be that one outlier or that one person who kind of lost their way and just ended up being alone. So I think it was just being the fear of being isolated and being alone that really drove a lot of my religious behavior that if I didn't wear a scarf, I wasn't going to fit in with all my mosque friends. They're going to look down on me. Um, they're going to look down on my mom. If I make a Facebook and start putting pictures of myself, oh, it's just not going to look right. Like I, I need to respect the rules of my community or else I will be um, removed from that community essentially. So it's really interesting uh, thinking back to how much fear there was associated with religion. And then as I got older, why am I so scared of all these religious rules or consequences? I don't know. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I do. And it, it kind of reminds me of the difference that I felt growing up in the UK. In the community there that I was involved in, it was like three families and we were all really tight. So I didn't yeah. feel that pressure. I really loved it as well. And I, I, I would be lying if I said there was a point in my life that I wasn't involved because I heavily was involved as a child. I don't think I've ever felt like a superiority thing as in like, oh, I am good. I don't do, I don't drink, I don't party, I don't talk to boys. So therefore I'm better than everyone. Actually, I think I was pretty strong in the sense that I didn't really care what other people were doing. Yeah. So I was just kind of happy in my own little world. Um, and when I met you, I think like, I think when I meet people who were a little bit more outgo, more out there, or more or less religious or like religious in a different way I think I would just my initial reaction would be to be a little bit shocked and obviously when I met you you used to wear a scarf so I didn't really know much about you beyond that started talking to you I realized like yeah maybe she's not as religious or traditional as I thought she was so my only reaction was probably just like shock like wow you can live like that oh my gosh um I could never or like Maybe, like, maybe there was a little bit of, like, oh, it's okay, though, because eventually people grow out of this kind of phase is kind of what I used to think. And then it becomes hard, like, where's the line? What, what, why do you have to separate or why should you have to separate the community from the culture or the religion from the culture? Because it's hard to tell which influenced which since they're so intertwined. It's hard to have the religion without the community and you can't really exactly. have the community without the religion. So it's 
it's I feel like that's why it feels like a direct attack on you as a person as well and why it's so hard to distance yourself from these things because your culture is you like your culture is you you are a part of your culture and you're always going to be a part of your culture and your culture will always be a part of you so how do you separate the toxic part of the religion when this is something you were born into and you're probably going to die with like everyone around you whether it's your friends or your family like they're going to be part of this community yeah exactly and I guess we're, we're saying the word toxic a lot in this conversation that we have um and I guess maybe another word could be kind of almost suffocating mm-hmm. suffocated feeling um that there are so many limitations of what we can and cannot do um for example I think one of the biggest issues that I had was like Barda, like where like there was so much emphasis on Barda. So Barda, for those of you who who don't speak Urdu or Arabic, means uh, is the word for wearing a hijab or practicing modesty in your life. Um, so it's an overarching term. It's not just what you wear; it's your actions too. So modest actions. Um, uh, so there, there was so much emphasis on that, and I literally thought, I used to think that this is the be all and end all. I didn't even used to think that much about prayers. I thought that if I stopped wearing a hijab, if I stopped wearing a scarf, I was committing the biggest sin possible. I don't think there was enough emphasis on prayer or actual, actually finding a connection with God. Um, so that's what, I, what really bothered me is that, you know, it was this fear again. It was just this outward, exper- uh, outward expression that you had to carry on um, and if you didn't, you, you were obviously not following the rules, whereas I don't think it was an indicator of how religious or good you were at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, with, with hijab, like it's been such a journey, right? Like I stopped, I used to wear it for a while and then kind of stopped and then properly put it on. And then uh, a couple of years ago in university, I completely stopped. I didn't even mm-hmm. try to do the whole modesty thing. Like I just was so done with it. So I think that's where that's where we started to see the toxic problems in our community. And that's where we had our frustrations. Me and you, we talk about this all the time, the, thing, the places where it went wrong. And I really do think that the community we had and still have is so important. But in, in that closeness, we read a lot of toxic problems and we left no room for middle ground. It's either you're really, really in it or you're out of it and you're never going to fit in. So the hijab almost kind of became that symbol of differentiating ourselves from other people. Uh, we are different, which is good. Like we, I think it is good to be okay with being different, but not in, this, but not in the way, not in the sense of using hijab as that, that symbol. It was not, for me, it became a symbol of identity rather than religious practice of modesty. It became, this is what I stand for. Um, The more you tear down our religion, the more we're going to fight for it, the more we're going to make sure we don't lose it. And I think in all Muslim communities, a lot of the girls that I talked to who have recently stopped wearing the hijab, not just the ones who came from our mosque, but other communities as well, they realized that it they kind of started wearing it because they saw all the other girls wearing it. And it was this solidarity thing, this community thing 
where you felt like you belonged in a movement like a herd mentality kind of thing at that point where uh, it's not for you it's for the greater good it's for the greater good exactly that if I start wearing a hijab people are going to think that all Muslim women are oppressed I was oppressed and I really really don't think that is the case I was always wearing it because this is my identity this is what the media is tearing down Muslim women we're not oppressed and I'm going to be the symbol of that I am going to be the model of that my girls and I are going to be the first hijabi the first hijabi whatever and kind of we didn't take that time to form our own identity we had this identity and we took it on you know to feel like we were I I took it on to feel like I wasn't part of something bigger you know so that's what I think and I think now that I do take have taken off the hijab you know what's really interesting is that how many people will come up to me and be like yeah you know what like it's really good. You, you look really happy. I've always worried about, you know, Muslim women. Like, it's good that you're being brave. I, I really don't think I was being brave. I was just, I was being almost not brave. I was trying not to attract more attention to myself. I was trying to just blend in. Wearing the hijab is actually a very powerful and brave thing to do because you stand out so much. Every single action you take is scrutinize so much you know um and you are your identity and your personality is assumed before you even start speaking and that is a big responsibility and that is something really brave so I think when I took off the hijab um that's something I was worried about is that you know what are people going to think they're I am just going to uh, validate their existing opinions about Muslim women and that is not the case at all I respect every woman who chooses to wear the hijab I just think that in my experience there was no one forced me but there was a lot of community pressure or community um not pressure but yeah I it it was pressure like there is no way to say it but there was a little bit of pressure. There was a little bit of like, you're not trying hard enough. You're, you have to live for a great, greater purpose. You have to be the flag bearer of, of Islam. And that was a lot, you know? So I think I was backing away from that a little bit and questioning, that's not really what hijab was meant to be. It is a form of modesty. It is not a political statement. And I needed to stop doing that. Um, but that in, in my experience does not, invalidate the people who wear who choose to wear hijab and genuinely love it and love it for the religious practice it is um and yes and what I was saying was that a lot of the other girls who I've talked to a lot of them said it was because of like that herd mentality all the other Muslim girls were wearing it and I don't know if you remember Sonia like this was also the time where all there was all these like hijabi youtubers and you can like find all these like tutorials of how to wear your scarf all nice um, and it was like a fashionable thing too. Like you were like, there was like a fashionable side to it, like Dina Tokyo, Aminikin. Um, yeah, do you remember that? I just found like for me, um, I definitely had a completely different experience with hijab just because I feel like the pressure was really there for me, whether it was from my family or the community. 
everyone's gonna hate me because I had it on and then I took it off and okay you remember me in high school I had to the, the bigger earrings. the hoops <laughs> yeah like it was a signature me thing that I had to have the most dramatic big earrings on I had to wear matching outfits like there'd be jewelry there'd be makeup and it just as soon as I took it off I found myself not giving a fuck about any of those things like I really couldn't care less about uh-huh. being dramatic and like it's not something that I was doing once I was comfortable yeah. with just having it off and you know being myself that's really that's really I'm sorry that you had to deal with that that's that's really tough um I do think that I was lucky that my mom was never pressurizing me but she did she definitely did introduce me to the muslim community and everything where i learned where i kind of like looked up to the other girls and saw this as my example or the way of the future mm-hmm. the, my future so I, but i was very lucky that my mom always said from from very early on she said if you don't like wearing this you don't have to wear this i'm glad you at least are you know are comfortable now doing whatever you want i don't know like I think it was all like the whole community herd mentality, collective action type of thing where it became becomes like a psychological control thing where there's the um, other people, there's the people who are in the group and there's the people who are out and you don't want to be the out because of so-and-so reason they have not seen the light. They're going to have a horrible life. They're going to a miserable life without this community. So it was, it's psychologically, I think, maybe not to the extreme of certain calls, I would say, but the whole control thing and the group think mentality, I think a little bit of it was there for sure. And that's where I have to emphasize that like the C word called in this episode, the C word doesn't have to be bad. Like sociologically, it's basically, I have the definition right in front of me. I'm just going to read it. It's a social group with socially deviant or novel beliefs and practices. So in terms of that definition, we were definitely part of a, of a distinct social group that had its own novel beliefs and practices that are completely different to the culture and setting yeah. and environment that it was in. Sure. And I feel like whenever you bring up the word cult to a religious person, they immediately go into defense mode and they're like, there this is bad no we're not we're not that and it's like it's not it's not a bad term it's just a word we use to classify an organization straining out those toxic problems that are leading to people feeling feeling like they're over controlled or or over surveilled or that they feel like they have no other option I used to literally think that if I did ABC thing you know partied went out drank whatever I was going to have some fun and then just fall off the face of the earth and live a life of misery and just be shunned not just by my mosque but everyone else like no one like it was just such a big sin to me it was just you were just asking for your life to be horrible and to not be fulfilled from your life and then I realized that that's like a lot of fear of the community rather than Mm -hmm. rather than love for religious practice like rather than not doing certain things because you're scared of being shunned, I started to reframe it as more like, oh, this is a moral code or there is some limitations of things that you can't, you should and shouldn't do just for the, your own peace of mind or just for your own safety sometimes. Um, like there's no reason for you to be 
going out and partying every single weekend and drinking like crazy um, for your own good, for your own health. But there's also nothing wrong with social drinking, for example, like just having wine with your friends. I really don't think that's the end of the world. And I have not fallen off the face of the earth. You know, I feel okay. I have a little nice little list. Um, It's from the the International Cult Study Association. They just put together some bullet points of common characteristics of the C words. So I'm just going to read a few of them. And I think it's very easy to tell that we've discussed a few of them already. So the group displays excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader, whether he's dead or alive. And so I feel like that is definitely part of the community where it's an obey now, clarify later type. Quite problematic because I think like in any situation, leadership is important because it kind of unifies everyone. But if it's like leadership where you can't question or you can't criticize and you have to blindly follow everything, that is so problematic. Mm -hmm. And I think that no one should be kind of given that. Like if you are, if you... Um, do something wrong like there is a system of being expelled which is so scary and disgusting to be honest because you are not god you do not get to decide who comes to the mosque and who does not come to the mosque who is welcome this is a house of god you know members are encouraged to socialize only with other members and you've talked about this quite a lot already the most loyal members feel there can be no life outside the context of the group they believe that there is no other way to be and often fear um, reparations for themselves or others if they leave or even consider leaving the group because um, questioning doubt and dissent are discouraged or even punished And I feel like that's heavily a part of something even I struggled with where Mm -hmm. you questioning, like, how is that going to make my parents look if I I leave? I think, how is it going to make them feel? There's been so many times where I've just been so, so angry about lots of things, like lots of issues that have bothered them, the way the community responds to, like, I grew up with a single, as a single woman, you are given so many rights throughout Islam. But what is the community doing to make sure those rights are being granted? For example, my mom remarried um, like 13 years after my dad passed away and uh, through religious examples, um, Hazrat Khadija she remarried, she remarried, she had, she was widowed as well. Um, She owned her own business. And this is an example that we were taught, which is so good. But in reality, the community's reactions were so problematic, so, so problematic, that it really left a bitter taste in my mouth. But what is being done to make sure that women do not feel like it is the end of the world if they are single or if they are widowed or if they are divorced? You know what I'm talking about? And and just seeing the way my cousins or my relatives or people in our community were treated after they got a divorce. Although a woman has the right to divorce in Islam without any question, like no one questions it when she asks for uh, for a divorce technically, but in reality, so many fingers are pointed to women who leave. So, when, so many uh, fingers are pointed towards their character. It, it's one of those examples of what are we doing to make improvements? What are we doing to follow the actual rules?
Yeah, and I I can relate to that in the sense that my aunt is a single mother, and um, my cousins feel the same way, and they've had so many troubles with the authorities in the community and them just being treated like absolute shit, and you know being told to their face that you know you don't do this because you don't you didn't have a dad. And it's so damaging, especially for someone who actually does care about the community. Exactly. I feel like that's what's damaging about all these cultural things and toxic cultural behaviors in the community is that, you know, once upon a time, it was all great. It was peaceful. It was nice. It did bring joy and peace into people's lives. But once it crosses that line from being you know, freeing to being suffocating and isolating and, you know, it's, it's tough. And I feel like no one really, no one goes into that. And I feel like a lot of people can relate whether they're from our community or a Christian community or, you know, any, any super conservative with some friends I have that are just from very conservative families. They're not very religious per se, but the fact that their families are so heavily conservative puts so much pressure on them. And I feel like I relate to them with that because ultimately it's a cultural thing. Oh, yeah. Definitely. it's Yeah, exactly. A lot of those things are cultural, but it's not enough to say that Islam granted us rights, Islam granted women rights. What are we doing to make sure those things happen? There's, I, I just don't understand how we have the audacity to say we don't need feminism anymore. Or like, we don't need feminism because Islam gave women rights. Okay, but how can we say these statements, these broad statements, when we know the woman beside us, someone down sitting down the road from us, she's experiencing abuse from her husband. She's experiencing domestic violence. Another woman is feeling ostracized or shameful or guilty for asking for a divorce. Another woman is a widow and no one's there to support her. How can we say those things? We're not taking action on the things that we believe in. And then we're trying so hard to put up an exterior through Barda or whatever we do, that everything is fine. Our, our women are so strong. They are so strong, but we, not necessarily because of the community, but they are strong because of inherently who they are. They're strong because women are strong, yeah. period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a man's world. It is a man's world. Women are not encouraged to speak at events. Women are told to speak only at their events. Why? What was the purpose of Barda? What is the purpose of hijab? It is so that you can go about society, so you can interact with people in society without your looks being judged, without being sexualized or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying do Barda and do all this, do all this, but still only present in front of women, only talk to women, I think that's so problematic and disheartening actually. Because it's still second tier. There is still that second tier mentality. I feel like it kind of just divides the community further into two parts where like we didn't have anything to do with the guys or the men. And, you know, honestly, they would do fun things. I think that is one of the root problems that we are so lenient about boys in our community. But there is never that excuse for me or you that, oh, she was just young. That's why she messed up a little bit. It's okay. Give them a second chance. No. There is no second chance for me or you. And there never will be. It kind of just reinforces the whole um, cultural cultural burden on the community where it's like, girls, we couldn't go camping because we're girls. We couldn't go on sleepovers because yeah. we're girls. We couldn't 
um, go on these volunteer trips to build wells and mosques because we're girls yeah, like exactly. it feels like the men the men's side of the community was one community and the women's side of the community mm-hmm. was one community and I genuinely feel like the women's side was more toxic like the things that we experience are so like my brother can't relate to this my dad can't we, relate to this they're living in a different we world all put limitations on each other we all instead of like helping each other grow we were constantly like fearful fearful of our next step monitoring somewhere else's next step you know just like toning things down so we're not too loud we're not the loudest we don't have the loudest laugh we're not the most outspoken we were trying to tone people down rather than letting them flourish and you know what I find really really interesting and is that my mom was okay with all this like yeah obviously she said you can start wearing the hijab but she was okay with this kind of whole community thing it's like oh it's okay you know you can live your life but you know let them be let them be it's okay just laugh it off but you know the thing is my mom and her sisters way back in the 80s and 90s when their father passed away they started their own business as four women they ran their whole lives they um got married at eventually older ages had children in their 30s um, like they, their their life was good as women. They were very powerful. They were challenging the world around them. And then I kind of see that as an immigrant, my mom kind of flipped. Like she was, she became a little bit smaller. When you're vulnerable and you need someone and you need community and you're alone, like for example, she came to a new country with two kids, no husband. Like that's such a vulnerable state to be in and I feel like that's when these type of communities really um kind of pull you in because they're often something you need yeah exactly she was vulnerable she was a little alone um and I think that's where she did find community and I'm really happy for that and um the alternative to that would have been extreme isolation and loneliness in a whole new city a whole new country a new culture um, but it it was really sad to see her become a little bit smaller. Like even now, she runs two whole businesses by herself. But at the end of the yeah. day, there's still like those limitations from the mosque or the community that hold her back almost, um, where she tones down some of her things. Um, not recently though. Like recently, as my sister and I have gotten older and went to university, she's become a lot more open to our the changes that we're experiencing. She's changing with us she's the old her is kind of coming back you know the old spunky outspoken you know ultimately like when you're born into this kind of thing you just have to make do with what you've got and I feel like for a lot of my life and a lot of my time questioning I really I really was at the point where I just I was angry that why mm-hmm. why am I in this situation? Why am I having to deal with this when I see other people being, you know, having the luxury of being themselves yeah. and being free and, you know, living the life that they have chosen for themselves. Or like being encouraged so to have their own personality rather than being pushed to fit a certain mold. That was what we were doing for most of our lives. We were trying to fit a mold. We were trying to be the good girl, patient, calm. Yeah. calm. Um, follows all the rules she does super well at school has a great career but also somehow is an amazing mom we were trying to be pushed into a mold we weren't being allowed to have our own personality or having our own interests or like our own pathway which is yeah I can relate to that too like there was a whole phase a couple of years ago where I was just so angry I was like I don't even think I'm Muslim anymore 
Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I want to ask you about. Like, how how's your journey? Like, we're, we've both been on a very interesting journey together. Together, but separate, but the same, but sometimes different. Yeah. For me, I just, um, it's been hard. I think I took it very personally and I've always been highly introspective so I always overanalyze things for me it was just I began to just hate all religion and hate everything in the space where I'm trying to be more open and recovering from that and actually trying to be more spiritual yeah just because I know that that there's so many benefits to that and I'm just trying to undo the trauma yeah. that pushed me that far in the first place. And I've always said that I truly believe that if I wasn't raised in a way where, you know, it was shoved down my throat, I feel like I would have been absolutely okay with it. It's the the delivery of the message is such a big thing. And it makes such a huge difference yeah. in carry that on and whether you want that to be a part of your life and you know, even going back to the hijab thing, like, sometimes I'll just be wearing it because I feel like yeah. it now, like, whereas putting it on used to feel suffocating, it used to feel like there was this whole identity that was pushed on you, this whole identity that you were trying to push onto the world that this is you, even though it wasn't really you, you don't even know who you were at 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I find a lot of that has to do with the community and, you know, like, you being this old you have to learn this this and this and it's just very controlled and if you're not on that it feels like ultimately there's some guilt there that I'm doing something wrong but you know also I think it's not just it's the community but the community was also reacting to the outside world um we like me and you we weren't we were really young when 9-11 happened so we didn't really know a world before that but I think that my cousins who are older they said that Pre-9-11, the community was very relaxed and chill and no one really cared that much about wearing a scarf or having this whole outward identity we're showing to the world or showing that we were strong, Mm -hmm. we were a strong community. But I think post-9-11, I think that surge of Islamophobia really pushed us to challenge that idea that people had to try to prove to people that no, 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 we're good really good people we're really strong we, we love who we are we love being a muslim like we do but we overcompensated in that face of islamophobia so it's not entirely our community's fault too it was a lot of things that escalated and that's what's crazy being part of a community right that like something that has absolutely nothing to do with you can ultimately rule and change exactly. your life it's like and i think that's what i what? had to realize to get over that anger is again the community was dealt yeah. a certain set of cards and they responded by you know amplifying all their efforts to be extremely close-knit extremely strong making sure everyone's following the rules um because we were under threat and it's definitely something to admire that you know they go through these lengths and extremes to to do what they want to do and do what they need to do yeah exactly just to finish things off here if you had any advice for someone who's questioning, what would you what would you tell them? Mm-hmm. I would say, trust your gut. You know, like if something doesn't feel right to you, it probably isn't. And if you're questioning, I would say, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful of being isolated or ostracized, because you will find your people. 
no matter what. Um, you will find your people and you're going to be okay even if you are alone. Um, and I will say that probably tackle the, the, the anger that you have, you know, moving on from something. There's a lot of anger. So make your amends to that before mm-hmm. it makes you even more of a toxic person in the other side of the spectrum, you know? Don't, don't let your past define your future. Um, and yeah, that's what I would say. That was great. That was great advice. What would you say? So scared of people. Like people are not to be feared. You should be afraid of being a bad person. You should be afraid of hurting someone's feelings. Karma coming back to you. The energy you're putting into the world. The actions you're taking. Those are things you should be worried and fearful about. Rather than people or people who accept you or who don't accept you. I feel like you... You and I had similar journeys, but you were five years ahead of the game. Like, I remember you would say all these, you know, out there, rebellious, almost things. I'm like, oh, my God, is Sonia not? Sonia so fearless. Oh, my gosh. Does she not know? Like, life is not perfect. Like, we have to follow this or else this will happen. Like, she thinks like she can create a whole world. And I think slowly I came to your level, but it took some time. Like, way back in grade nine and ten, you were doing things that I was like, oh, my God, I don't know how she does that. And now I'm like, wow, this is great. (laughs) I think if I was to give anyone advice, I would tell people that, like you said, just reiterate the fact that you're not going to be alone. The internet's a wonderful place. There's plenty of people um, that are going through the same thing you're going through. And ultimately, you're going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, do whatever brings you the most peace and take things at your own pace don't let anyone force you to do anything you don't want to do and yeah like Fakia said you have to tackle the anger at one point or another and the earlier you tackle any anger that you have the Mm -hmm. better because I feel really great putting into words some of the conversation and I love that we have those type of conversations and um one of the reasons for me even doing this in the first place is because I feel like a lot of people don't have access to this type of content or, you know, the type of controversial things that, you know, often get swept under the rug, especially when you do come from a very conservative background. And so, you know, even if you don't agree, uh, hopefully there's some benefit to, to listening and you know, just opening your eyes and mind to the reality that other people ultimately experience and exactly, live in. Exactly. Yeah, thank you so much for this. Oh, like, that you. was a really thank good. You. I 